Um, if y'all would, would you turn with me for the scripture reading to John 5, again this morning, uh, the fifth chapter of John. Let's see, we'll be in verses uh, 19 down through 30. So John 5, 19 through 30 is uh, what we'll be reading. When you find your place, would you stand? <coughs> Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, and shall not come to judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear a voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the res- resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we come in the name of Jesus, Lord, um, looking to you, asking for your enabling power here, Father. Lord, we're thankful for Your Word and thankful, Lord, that we're able to gather and uh, read together and study together and worship, sing together. Lord, um, now we ask as we consider the passage that's just been read that You enable us to understand. Lord, that You would apply the truth of it to our hearts so that our lives are changed by your truth so that we may do what I think this passage intends for us to do and that is to honor Jesus Christ. May that be what our lives are about. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. When I first um, was kind of <clears throat> looking at the passage and trying to figure a, a title to put into the bulletin, um, you know, these first few verses kind of <clears throat> jumped out at me, and I, I, I had put "like father, like son," um, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. Is is uh, the, the rationale Jesus gives for? Um, what he's talking about here. But I wound up putting honor the Son. 
But the, the rationale that Jesus gives for honoring Him is, is that He is like the Father. So, I mean, whichever title you like is fine. <laughs> or you can make up your own <laughs> if you want. That's okay too, um, I suppose. But, um, um, but that's going to be the, the general idea here, that G- Jesus is like the Father in a unique sense. And it's because of that that He deserves to be honored in a unique way. I mean, there's, there's a sense in which, you know, we're, we, we uh, honor, um, well, we're, we're told to honor, uh, give honor to those who are to be honored. And, and, you know, we respect people in offices and ministries and various things. You think about the Old Testament, there was a certain amount of honor due to the priests and due to the prophets and so forth. And all of that's right and true, but what we're talking about here is, is a unique honor paid to a unique individual, Jesus, because of his unique relationship with the Father. Now, we're coming off of this accusation. And remember, Jesus has just healed this man at the pool of Bethsaida. And because of that, he's being accused, Jesus is being accused by the Jews of breaking the Sabbath and then even worse, uh, verse 17, making himself, I'm sorry, verse, um, verse 18, making himself equal with God. So verse 18 says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his Father, making himself equal with God. Now Jesus had just referred in verse 16, uh, 17 rather, as uh referred to God as his Father. That's where this accusation comes from. He says, My Father is working until now, and I am working. And the Jews draw a conclusion from that. He's making himself equal with God. One, because he calls God his Father in an individual sense. You know, he's my Father. And he, he equates... His activity with God. My Father, obviously talking about God, my Father is working until now, and I am working. So what he's implying is, what is okay for him to do is okay for me to do. And they drew a conclusion from that that he's making himself equal with God. They were right. I, I submit to you they were right. It's a little, it may be a little subtle, um, but I think that is exactly what Jesus intended. Now, he, he begins to expound on that and give the reasons um, why that is so, or how that, how that is so, and the reasons for his authority um, that he's going to, to claim. So in verse 19, uh, and, which, and then that will lead to the reasons why he should be honored. But in verse 19, he says, Truly, truly, now there's that saying you see so often, your translation may say something like verily, verily, or um, uh, you know, there, there are other ways of rendering. It's, two, it's, it's one word repeated, just like you see truly, truly, or verily, verily. It's actually the word amen, though. Amen, amen. If you think about that for a moment, it helps us with the, the emphasis. A lot of, we, we, we take the word amen, amen, we put it at the end of prayers usually, and the idea is 
to, to uh, you know, kind of establish that, so be it. You know, if somebody prays something and if we agree and if we want, uh, our, our desire is to, uh, for that to happen, to be established, we say, so be it. It's true. Kind of the idea there. We're in agreement. It's true. Well, Jesus so often puts it at the front of what he's going to say and says it twice. But repetition, which, by the way, was common with the Jews, repetition for the sake of emphasis. Truly, truly. So not only does he say, what I'm about to say is true, <laughs> but it's truly true. I mean, he's, he's, he's emphatic about it, and he puts that right up front. Amen, amen. So for what it should do for us is, is uh, really get our attention. Of course, all of God's Word should get our attention, but, but when you see that, that ought to really jump out to us. So he says, amen, amen. I say to you, the Son... Now remember, he just referred in verse 17 to God as his Father. Now he's speaking about himself. The Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Now you see where the idea of like Father, like Son comes from, right? Whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise, Jesus says. In like manner, or the same way. And he's talking here about his unique relationship to the Father. Now, interestingly, um, I just said, okay, he claims equality with God. I think that's what he's doing. Verse 17, the Jews understand that. And they make that accusation. He's making himself equal with God. Yet, it's an equality with distinction. Or you can say it this way. It's an equality um, with, uh, with, a, with a dependence. In other words, they do. They're, they're God the Father, God the Son, equal. And yet, there's, they're, they're, they have distinct roles. And what Jesus is saying here is that he's, he's in submission to the Father. He's dependent upon the Father. So it's not a, it's not a perfectly reciprocal relationship, at least not when it comes to submission. And it doesn't have to be for there to be equality. Um, just kind of a side note here, but a lot of times when, when we talk about the role of men and women and in, in the church and in family life and the role of men being leadership and the role of uh, women being uh, in submission and support and so forth, what the world immediately interprets that to be is inequality. Oh, you're saying that men are better than women. No, that's not what we're saying. We're not, we're not saying that there is an inequality in personhood or dignity. No, in fact, just the opposite. There is equality in dignity and personhood. And if you want to see an, the ultimate example of that, it's in the Godhead. Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there is equality. Jesus is God, as we've been seeing in these passages. And yet... He's in a role of submission to the Father, even dependence 
upon the Father. Different roles, distinct roles. So he says, he says it this way, the Son can do nothing of His own accord. That's dependence. Or that could be translated of His own initiative. The Son does nothing of His own initiative. He's, I'm not just out here just doing my own will. Remember in the, the conversation with the, uh, the disciples right after He had spoken with the woman at the well, He said to, the disciples, uh, to His disciples uh, about being hungry, I have meat that you don't know of. And they thought, well, what's, he got food? Somebody brought him food or what? And he said, no, my, meat, my food is to do the Father's will. And later, in John 8, we'll see where he tells the Jews, I always do those things that please the Father. That's what he is all about. He's all about the Father's will. So he says, I'm not doing things of my own initiative. I only do what I see the Father doing. He imitates so to speak, the work of the Father and fulfills the, the, the commission of the Father. He's come to do the Father's will. So he goes on to say in verse 19, for whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So I don't do anything of my own initiative for, that's explanatory, for whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. He says, I do what I see the Father do. I imitate I'm doing His will. And here's another for. And there are several here. Verse 20. For, so he's continuing, now he's explaining that. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. This is one of those places where I think that the word all is all-inclusive. <laughs> In other words, if, let's, let, let me explain that by making a comparison. God, through revelation, would show things to the prophets. God through revelation shows things to you and I. But can any one of us stand up and say, He has shown us, or He is showing us, all that He does? No. We couldn't handle it if He did. But Jesus does speak that way. The Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. That's the nature of the relationship. It is so perfect that He knows exactly what the Father is doing and He does what the Father is doing. He says, I don't, I don't do anything of my own initiative, only what I see the Father doing for or because whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Again, for or because, verse 20, the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing and greater works then these will He show Him. Now this is kind of where He's been going with this. Greater works than these. Now, I'm, I'm thinking probably what He's got in mind. Remember, He's being accused here for healing this man at the pool of Bethsaida. That's, that's the, the, the second miracle we have recorded so far in the Gospel of John. And it's the last one. It's the, the one we last dealt with. Not the last one as in final, but it's the last one we talked about. Um, here in this same chapter. So, I, th I think that's what Jesus has in mind. That's what the Jews have in mind, and that's what Jesus has in mind. He's telling them, look, I'm just doing what I see the Father do. In other words, healing this man and doing it on the Sabbath day, Jesus is saying, was nothing more than an expression of the will of the Father. I was doing 
What I saw the Father do. Doing the works of the Father. But now he says, there's going to be even greater works. Greater works than these will he show him. So that you may marvel. Now there, we're going to get to this, Lord willing, in a moment, but I'm just going to mention it here. here. I, when he says greater works than these, I think what he's referring to is the ability to give life, which he's going to go on to talk about. Um, and that's going to manifest in two different ways. But I think that's what he's referring to. The greater works is going to be not just healing a layman, but actually imparting life to the dead. Spiritually, you know, giving spiritually dead people Spiritual life, newness of life, and then also raising up dead bodies at the last day. So, verse 21. Here he goes into explaining that. For as the Father raises the dead... By the way, that's another explanatory far there, beginning in verse 20. So he's steadily explaining each thing he's saying. So that you may marvel far... As the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. Now, here again, this, this, this makes Him unique. You say, wait a minute. Now, there were, Elijah raised the dead according to the will of God. yes. I think that may be the very reason Jesus puts that last phrase on there. The Son quickens or makes alive or raises whom He will. Now, that's, He's still meaning all of this is in line with the Father's will. He, again, He says, I don't do anything of my own initiative. He's not saying, I go on. I, when it comes to raising the dead, I just go off and raise whoever I want to raise, whether the Father wants them raised or not. He's not saying that. But I do think he's saying there's, there's a unity in his will and the Father's will. That, in other words, essentially they're both one. The Father raises whom he wills, and I raise whom I will, and the two are the same. Because I only do what I see the Father do. I don't do anything of my own initiative. So he's setting himself apart here. The Son gives life. Not, not just as an instrument that God uses like He, he, would, like he did with Elijah, like He does with, with Paul um, later. Not just as an instrument to work through, but He Himself is a life source. The life source. Remember the prologue? Chapter 1, verse 4. In Him was life. Right? So, the Son gives life to whom He will. The, now, he, he moves on to another subject. And by the way, there's another four here, and I'm not sure why the, why the ESV omitted it, but um, you may see it in your translation. In, in verse, uh, at the beginning of verse 22. For, another explanatory, in other words, the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. 
So, uh, so I think kind of the logical flow here is this, and this is what Jesus was getting to. Um, I raise the dead because I, I, or I have the power of giving life because I do perfectly the will of the Father and because He shows me all things. In other words, Jesus knows perfectly the Father's will and He, and he does it. Now, that... Um, verse verse 22, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Now I think what he's getting to here is what he's, where he's been headed all along, his authority as the Son of God. And what he's just done is base that, before he begins to talk about his authority to judge, he's, he's, he's already based it on his unique relationship to the Father as being one with him. So not only does he raise to life who he wills, but he's also the judge that all will stand before. We're going to see that more clearly as we move further down. And that is so that he may be honored. Now what's what's happening here with this whole discussion, the reason the whole discussion is even happening is because they're not honoring Him. So what He's telling them, these are men who are opposing Him. Essentially what He's telling them is, you should be honoring Me. I'm the one you're going to stand before in judgment because the Father's committed all judgment to Me because He makes all things, everything that He does, known to Me because He loves Me and because I don't do anything of my own initiative, but I only do His will. So again, verse 23. Uh, verse 22, rather. The Father, for the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son. Now, he's being pretty emphatic here. He's given all, the Father's given all judgment to the Son, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Now again, think of the implications of that statement. Because when, we, when, he, when he talks about the Father, who, who we're talking about is God. God. He's talking to the Jews who know that this, this kind of honor is for God and God alone, and yet he's telling them, you must honor the Son as you honor the Father. In fact, he goes so far as to say in verse 23, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Now, again, he's talking to those who oppose Him. He's saying, if you don't honor Me, you don't honor the Father. Now these are Jewish leaders. Supposedly their, their, their life is wrapped up in honoring God. You know, these are the religious elite. They're all about honoring God, supposedly. And yet, Jesus says to them, essentially, you dishonor Me. In fact, He'll say that point blank later. But you dishonor Me, and in doing that, you dishonor the Father. You cannot honor the Father if you do not honor Me. Now here's another truly, truly, verse 24. 
Amen, amen. I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That's important. I want, to, I want to keep moving here, but I want to come back to that, Lord willing, in a few minutes. But I, I'll just say this here. Notice, again, how he elevates um, the, 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 the hearing of his own word. In other words, again, making what he says equal with what God says. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, has eternal life. And verse 25, another truly, truly. Amen, amen, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in himself, again expressing his dependence upon the Father. The Father has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Now, he's going to give two examples here um, of his authority. And, and, and this, is, this again is going to confirm what he's been saying about his unique relationship to the Father. He's going to speak here of two resurrections. Two resurrections. One for now and one future. Or you can say present, one present, one future. Both of them involve giving life, imparting life. First of all, in verse 25, this is, this is the now. This is the already aspect of the kingdom of God. This is true now for believers. He says, the hour is coming. An hour is coming and is now here. So, so it had already it had arrived in Jesus' day. When Jesus came on the scene, the, the kingdom of God was in their midst. There's a real sense in which it had already become reality, not to the fullest expression, and that's even true today. The kingdom of God is a reality now, not to the fullest expression. We still have things to look forward to. Our salvation is a reality now. Not to the fullest expression. We still wait the day of our salvation which is yet to come. And you're going to see both of, those, um, both of those elements here. So he says, An hour is coming and is now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so has He granted the Son also to have life in Himself. He's talking about a spiritual resurrection there. His disciples are already examples of this. They've heard His voice, and they live. And His voice, by the way, is His Word. And His Word is the Word of God. And that's, that's why He says, we read just a moment ago in verse 24, whoever hears My Word, that's His voice, Sometimes people will ask, uh, you know, um, questions like, do you believe God speaks today? And I 
Tell him absolutely, you know. And you want to hear him? Read the Word. He's speaking. He's speaking. Read the Word. He's speaking. The question is, are we listening? Are, are we reading the Word? He still speaks. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. And if you believe His Word, you have eternal life. Now, he says some will do that. Some will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. So the hearing here is not just simply the, the sound falling on the physical ear. It's an understanding. It's a reception, receiving. They're hearing, the Jews are hearing His voice, and they're not living because they're not really hearing. That's why Jesus says sometimes that those who have ears to hear, hear, hear the Word. Understand it, perceive it, receive it. Now that's the spiritual resurrection. He raises the dead. Those who are dead in trespasses and sins. They hear the Word of God. They hear the voice of Jesus. And they believe and they live now. Jesus says that's happening now. And as I said, we've already seen examples of it in the Gospel. And of course today... Those of us who believe, we are examples of it. We've heard the voice of God and we live. Now, what about future? Verse 28. It's another resurrection. That's the first resurrection. Here's the second resurrection. Verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming. By the way, notice he doesn't say it's now here, right? This time. This time he doesn't say it's now here. Now he's talking about future. An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. Now, notice the first time when He was talking about the spiritually dead being raised to eternal life, spiritual life, He qualifies it in, uh, in verse 25. The dead will hear the voice of the Son. He does you know he doesn't he just says the dead the dead will hear those who hear will live. But now here in verse twenty eight, he's all inclusive with it. He just says, All who are in the tombs. All who are in the tombs. Now we're talking about every physically dead person. All who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. If that's not authority, I don't know what is. Giving life to dead souls, and now we're even talking about calling dead bodies out of the tombs. Every single one of them. All All who are in the tombs will hear and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, he's talked about two resurrections here that he's responsible for. And this, this is how he's, he's confirming their conclusion. He's making himself equal with God. And Jesus is expounding on that and showing that yes, indeed, that is true because he has the power to give life He has the power to raise the dead. He has the power to judge. And in fact, will be the one who in the end brings everybody out of the tombs and stands as our judge. 
So he's, he's talked about two resurrections here. One spiritual, which is already now happening. People are being brought out of death, that is the death of, of being dead in trespasses and sins, and being transformed or translated into the kingdom of, of light, the kingdom of His dear Son, the kingdom of God. And now he's speaking about the general resurrection at the end of time where he calls every single person out of the tomb. So that is future. That has not yet happened. And he, at that point, will be the one standing as judge. Now, he even talks about two aspects of that resurrection. One he calls the resurrection of life. The other he calls the resurrection of judgment. Those who have done good are raised up, that is, they're called out of the tombs to the resurrection of life. So they're, those who have done good, he says they're going to hear my voice, I'm going to call them out of the tombs, and they're going to be resurrected into life. Life eternal. But, those who do evil, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And the idea there is damnation, condemnation. So they too, every single one, will hear His voice, they'll be called out of the tombs, but this time, instead of being raised up into life, they're raised up into eternal judgment, eternal damnation. Now, just a little application before we close here. And for this, let me go back to verse 24. And just keep in mind what we just read there. Um, and in all of this, all He's doing is carrying out the Father's will. That, by the way, is, is um, again confirmed in verse 30. I can do nothing of my own. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. All I'm doing, Jesus says, I don't do anything on my own initiative. All I'm doing is what the Father has shown me. I'm doing the Father's will. Now let's go back to verse 24 for a minute here, for a little application. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes. Now, and understand this, by the way, everything that we've been talking about here, the deity of Christ, Jesus is God. He's the only way to the Father. He's, he's the only way of salvation. Remember our key verse, John 20. John wants us to understand He's the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. And He wants us to know that so that we believe in Him and so that believing we may have life. All of that's included in what Jesus is saying here when He says, hear My voice or My Word. In other words, all that He's, all that he's claiming about Himself is part of His Word that we have to hear and believe. So He says in verse 24, I say to you, whoever hears My Word and believes, him who sent Me has eternal life. Now, the Greek <clears throat> reads this way. It uses two participles. And only one definite article. So, it, so it's, it's the one hearing and believing. The one hearing and believing 
The one hearing my word and believing him who sent me has eternal life. And those two things are one. So in other words, to believe on the one who sent him is the same thing as to hear, perceive, receive the word of Jesus. And we can turn that around. To, to hear, meaning to perceive, to receive, accept the word of Jesus, is to believe on the one who sent him. In fact, we could even say, um, in order to have eternal life, you must believe on Jesus. Again, he's equating these things. To believe on him is to believe on the one who sent him, the Father. To believe on the Father, in reality, I know they claim to believe him, but they don't. To believe in the Father, in reality, is to believe on Jesus and to receive his word. So the ones, that is the one, he's qualifying his statement here, the ones hearing, present tense, and believing are having eternal life. That, is, that verb is also present tense. The ones hearing and believing are having. I'll say this is the now aspect. They hear the voice of God and they're raised from the dead spiritually. The ones hearing and believing are having eternal life now. And he goes on to say, He does not, that is the one hearing and believing, the one hearing my word, accepting my word, believing on Him who sent me, He does not come into judgment. That's also present tense. He is not coming into judgment. He is having eternal life and He is not coming into judgment. The one hearing my word and believing Him who sent me is now having eternal life and is not now coming into judgment. That's good news. That's good news. But has passed from death under life. And I always love seeing the perfect tense in the Greek because it's so strong. And that little word has passed, or phrase has passed, is in the perfect tense. Perfect tense is just the idea of something that happened in the past with abiding results. That is, it never has to be repeated. It's the, it's, the, it's the tense, the verb tense that Jesus used when He was hanging on the cross. And He said, it is finished. Meaning, it's done and the results are lasting. This never has to be done again. It's something done in the past with abiding results. In the case of Jesus dying on the cross, He was saying, the atonement is accomplished and it never has to be repeated again. Salvation, forgiveness of sins, it's, it's accomplished. It never has to be repeated again. It's done. In other words, what He did is sufficient. Here, Jesus says, the ones believing, the ones hearing and believing are having eternal life. They're not coming into judgment, but 
have passed, <laughs> have passed from death to life. He's saying, if you're hearing and believing and not coming into judgment, you've been through one resurrection, it's accomplished, and it doesn't have to be repeated. It's done. You've passed from death to life. Now, we still go through the physical resurrection that he's referring to in verse 28 and 29. That is yet to come. But in terms of having spiritual life, that's a present reality for all who accept Jesus' Word and believe. What John's been saying all along, if you believe in Him, you have life. You have life. So here's the question for us. Do we believe? Do we believe? Are you hearing, are you hearing the words of God? And, and what I've just said, are you hearing God speak? When you, when you read the Bible, do you... Do you really understand that this is God speaking? When you hear truth like we just talked about, the deity of Christ, He's God. That He's the ultimate judge. That we're all going to stand before one day. And that we're going to be judged by His Word. And that that's what's going to determine our eternal destiny. Do you hear God's voice in that? Do you believe that? If so, you have life now. You are having life. Why? Because you, because you have Christ. And if you have Christ, He is the life. Would you stand, please? We're going to dismiss there. We'll try to pick up there tonight. And you see why we should honor Him? <laughs> He's God. He's the judge. He's the true Son, the Christ, the Messiah. How do we honor Him? Well, that's what I want to talk about tonight. Alright? How do we honor Him? Let's pray. Father, we do come in the name of Jesus again thanking You for Your Word. Lord, we pray that You um, give us wisdom in understanding how all of these things work out in our own lives. Lord, give us uh, understanding even as a body how we may encourage each other in these things and how we may reach out to others who, who need to hear this message of life. Lord, show us how to live out these truths. The truth that Jesus is indeed the only way. And that all who do not know You are truly perishing. We pray for Your wisdom in evangelizing. We pray for Your wisdom in helping one another in edification. And in our own lives, Father, we pray, keep us before the mirror of Your Word. 
Let us hear Your voice daily. Empower us to be living examples of this resurrection life that Jesus is talking about. For our good, for Your praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, Amen.